0: Hello humans. Happy full moon in Capricorn. It is today. It's actually a super full moon. So it's more amplified and I'm a Capricorn. So I'm, I'm actually like really loving these vibes for me. I, and I think this is pretty standard. Like I'm not the only one I've spoken to many a witch and practitioner about this, but essentially like the first couple of days before the full moon, first couple of days after, you're going to get all this like I think of it as like a pulling, you know, it's like pulling you into the next phase of the moon, of the wheel of the year. And I have to say, I really like this one. And I know Capricorns get a bad rap a lot, or sometimes people just forget about us. They're like, oh yeah, Capricorn, which one's that again? And we are really cool. I mean, we can be dickheads too. Every sign has its shadow sign, of course. But I'm really digging this energy. It's been very like productive. So, one of my favorite things about being a Capricorn is how, when I can fucking focus, because I have a Leo rising, I am able to get a f- tremendous amount of shit done. To not only be productive just for productivity's sake, but to be productive in doing something that you really love, that means something to you. There's sort of this ambitious nature of Capricorn that needs to be addressed because a lot of times we, well, not in America. In America, ambition is like the top, right? Everybody wants you to be ambitious and fight for your American dream or whatever bullshit. But I think from a spiritual perspective, being ambitious is generally looked at as negative. You're pushing, you're forcing something to happen. And there's this connotation that you're sort of leaving people that you love by the wayside because you're just like, get out of my way. I got to get to the top. I don't care who I hurt along the way. That's a real dichotomy that plays out for Capricorn. This idea that for me personally, I am really ambitious. I have a lot of dreams. I always have. I have made some of those dreams come true for myself. And in certain cases, when I wasn't centered, I just pushed people all the way and was like, got to do it. Got to get it done. The more inner work that I do and the more that I tap into the full breadth of my birth chart, The more I integrate the ambition with the softness, the gentleness, the awareness that one needs to be a good leader in positions that are often connected to whatever you're being ambitious about. So think about that whole concept, which is follow the moon, these natural cycles, because we realize that we're being kind of oscillated like a fan almost, through the wheel of the year, through all the 12 zodiac signs throughout the year. So it's almost like you have these pit stops in each one of the signs. When we have a Piscean moon, you're, even if you're not a Pisces, you're going to feel some of those Pisces dichotomies, those inner conflicts that a Piscean person might have. And you also might have Pisces somewhere else in your chart. And when you really get into the nitty gritty of all of it and all your houses and nodes and all this shit, which takes forever, it's fascinating. And if you haven't done it, I highly recommend that you do. I would definitely get some help with it because if you try to do it online without, in my experience, like the appropriate books and stuff, it can be a real pain in the ass. And you'll be like, what am I even looking at? And you'll have spent all this time and you still won't understand what it means. So that all said, lean into Capricorn today, tomorrow, the next day, this whole week. Think about something that you want to be ambitious about that you maybe have been afraid to do, or maybe you've been sabotaging yourself or you've been kind of lazy. I don't like to use the word lazy because I think people are dying to get a break so often. But you know, if you're feeling like, wow, I'm really not moving. I'm feeling very unmotivated. This is the week to kind of tap into that. You can tell in my voice that I'm all jazzed up about it because I have been extremely behind in so much of my work lately. And this week, for the first time all year, I have been able to start the process of catching up. And it feels so damn good. If you're feeling that way, take this opportunity to do it. You can do it. Positive sides of Capricorn are integrity and getting your hands dirty, and loyalty and discipline to make what you want to happen happen. Okay, that's my whole Capricorn full moon spiel. I don't think I have any other announcements right now, but there will be some incredible ones soon, and I can't really tell you about them yet, but there's a lot percolating, so hold on to your butts, okay? Okay. On to my guest this week. If you know, you know, this is part two of my very long conversation with Taylor Endy. I would just say that if you haven't listened to the last episode, definitely go back and listen to that first so you know what the fuck we're talking about. We're going to go deeper into the cycles of cards and some other very strange shit, and you're not really going to have the foundation for it. In case you forgot, Taylor Van Endy is a spiritual counselor, intuitive guide, and cycles of the cards reader. She's also a folk herbalist, and for over 15 years, she's been developing her gifts while seeking to understand the great mysteries of life. Using intuition and energetics, she aims to create a bridge from the profound and yet simple teachings of nature to the realities of living life in modern society. Taylor's offerings focus on reconnecting humans to the cycles, patterns, and language of the natural world. Seeing that reflected back in our own energetic blueprints, her intention is that we may be guided to a deeper understanding of our truth, authenticity, and purpose, and be empowered to create the life we truly desire. Taylor was so fun to talk to. We talked well over two hours, and I've cut it down into these two episodes In this part two, we talk more about cycles of the cards. Like I said, we also talk about connecting with your spirit guides and her specific way of doing that. And then we talk about her woo experiences. And I don't want to give too much away, but dang. So the first one, there's a really good lesson wrapped in it about a horned beast. And the second one is connected to the central concept of the show Stranger Things. So I'm just saying, you're probably going to want to listen to this because it gets real weird like it always does. Make sure you stay tuned to the end. I'm going to give you a little bit of an update on how you can contact Taylor Van Endy if you want to get a cycles of a card reading. And if you're wanting to connect with your spirit guides, but you haven't really found a spirit guide meditation that works for you, she's going to be launching one next week. And all of that information will be at the end of this episode. All right, let's get into the woo with Taylor Van Endy. Can we see what my birth card is? Yeah, you're a four of
1: hearts. So you have that super stable, solid four energy as well, which is really nice. Hmm. Obviously, it has to do with the heart. So probably you guessed like heart healing, anything that you feel emotionally drawn to or connected to. It's a really powerful healing card. When you get to the higher cards, like the Jack, Queen and King, it's more of like the archetypal energies versus the numbers that are a little bit lower or more like sometimes not as solid ace two, three, not as solid, more creative, kind of like we're seeing potential. So you get to the four and you're like, I'm fucking stable. I'm sturdy. I'm solid. Mm. It's about unconditional love. Mm. And the four of hearts also can be ho- about holding space for others, which kind of makes perfect sense for what it is that you're doing. And it's also about you finding things that fill up your heart in a way that, don't make you feel like you're alone. Like you don't have to do it all yourself. Anything that makes you feel nourished in your heart, you should follow. Anything that makes you feel like you have a group of people or a team that can uplift and support you, follow. I like to look at essential self aspects. So that's like super stable in your relationship, super stable in love, super stable in how you feel about yourself and what you emotionally connect to. A shadow aspect of that might be numbing out, not allowing yourself to connect to other people, kind of just doing things that don't light you up for the sake of doing them. That sounds right. And it's interesting that you said, you know, like even people that were mean to you, you're like, no, you need to like be a part of this. Like that's Mm -hmm. totally a four-parts. like, I need to hold space for everyone and make sure everybody feels good. And as a Four of Diamonds, I do that shit too. I'm like, let's like hold it down for everybody, you know? And that's just part of what we came here to do and the lessons that we came to learn. And I didn't pull up your full chart. I just have your birth card. And so boundaries is a big thing too.
0: Super, super big for me. Boundaries are so, I have to stay on it because I just tend to like want to be everything for everybody a lot of the Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: So that's huge actually for you. Yeah. And I yeah. Can totally resonate with that. It must be a poor quality. It's funny when I talk to more and more people because I'm like, Oh, interesting. Like they're different numbers. And then the suits of course too, but I'm like, Hmm, you see like kind of golden threads that leave us. And I find that poor people are like extra giving. And so then there's a balance there too, of a giving and receiving and mm-hmm. understanding kind of those spiritual laws of like how to be in flow with the way we give and then receive. And that's where boundaries come in too. Right. So it's like, if I'm giving too much and not getting, and getting anything in return mm-hmm. or not feeling filled up in the very least like maybe it's time to let that go or move on from it whatever it might
0: be. Yeah, we created this super simple test and it's so ridiculously simple but it actually works. <laughs> it's almost embarrassing though. When I hang out with people, do they ask me questions? That's it the is, test. I love that. Oh and if God. they didn't ask me questions, they're not your friend. Uh, it's so fucking simple. It's almost like the Bechtel test. It's like, did they talk to another woman? You know, and people are like, oh, that happens all the time. And it's like, no, it really doesn't. Well, another woman about something other than a man. But it's like people fail that test all the time. And my partner put it in place for me and she was like, hmm. Did they ask you a question like a single motherfucking question? And I'm like, oh, my God, they did it. So now people who ask me questions because I'm an interviewer at heart. I'm always asking you questions. Mm-hmm. If you ask me a question, then it's like, all right, that's somebody that maybe you could stick around with. Maybe you could be their friend. I think that's so spot on.
1: And also, it's really hard. I mean, I don't know. You're interviewing people. So I feel like you're kind of holding the space where people are expecting you to ask questions. Right. 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 And I found definitely like waxing people. So, you know, like I'm holding space for people and they're not asking me anything. So I'm having to like, have this person naked in front of me and they're like not <laughs> connecting with me at all. And so I'm really having to dig. And that's one of my gifts too, right? Cause I'm like, okay, I really got to dig into this person. But I'm sure when you talk to people too, you're like, you're not really giving me much to work with here. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. really, I, I love that. So do you mean in podcasting and interviewing people specifically or just in general, like when you're out in the world?
0: No, I mean like out in the world because I make friends with everyone. I'm very, I don't know how I come across here, but I'm very like jovial. I like to touch people. I like to make people laugh. I have that Leo rising. So that's how I enter a space. I'm like, yes. Yes. (laughs) So I make friends super fast. But what my wife taught me is just because you know how to make friends doesn't mean that you're meant to be all their friends or Uh be friends to all of them, however you want to say Uh that. And I think it was just sort of like going to dinner or like people who asked me to hang out. But then every time I hung out with them, it was just a monologue. You know, it's funny because it's like you have people at that end of the spectrum who are like full on monologue, but then you also have varying degrees of people who are just sneaky self-absorbed. So the question was like the number one thing. Did they ask me how I was doing? Uh And it's crazy how often you're like, holy shit, they didn't even ask me like how I am. Maybe it's like a four, a number
1: four thing, because I think we have a gift of making people feel really comfortable right away. That was definitely my experience with you. The other four people that I know are the same way. And so that I feel like sometimes when people are maybe not as secure in themselves, when you open and hold that space for someone, people are like, oh, great. A person I can completely dump on and they don't give a shit if I ask anything about them. Yeah. And that's fine. You're just like, okay, noted. Not going to hang out with you (laughs) again, you know? And in like a client setting or an interview setting, right? It's different because there's this expectation of this exchange where you're going to hold space for me and I'm going to tell you a bunch of shit basically, right? But out in the world, yeah, when people talk about themselves... And especially even like doing the cards and stuff, like we may not have even gotten all the way through someone's chart and they leave and they're like, that was the greatest thing ever. And I'm like, yeah, you talked for an hour, which is amazing, (laughs) but that's what they needed. And they Mm -hmm. leave these conversations feeling like, oh my God, Finn is like the coolest person I've ever met. Mm -hmm. They're so great at holding space for me. I had the best time, like something else. God, I was listening to a podcast and I can't remember what it was. When people leave conversations with you where they've just talked the whole time, they actually end up feeling like you're really interesting. Like it's some weird yes. thing that happens. They're like, oh my gosh, that was the yes. most interesting person I've ever talked to. And you're like, I literally said like four things.
0: It is fascinating. It really is. This happens all the time. I will come home after I meet like a group of people and tell my wife, oh, they love me, but babe, they don't know a single thing about me. <laughs> like the mind plays a trick on you or something. And it's so weird that fours, you say you find this pattern where fours are very similar. So I'm, I'm, I would be curious to know like who else is a four in my life. If people want to see what their birth is, card is? Is there a place they can do that just to see that one thing?
1: They can. So there's a website called cardsoftruth.com. Okay. And they can go there and find the, to be honest, like this website's pretty thick with information dense. So it's kind of hard to find, but you can find the spread calculator and put in your info and it'll actually pull up their entire chart, but it's basically going to be like looking at Chinese. If you don't speak Chinese, it's like a bunch of numbers. You're like, okay, great. But the top (laughs) part sitting on top of there, it's kind of like above everything else is the
0: birth card. Got it. So you offer sessions to basically unpack this and people can do like their first initial session with you and stop there if they want, or they can purchase a package and they can keep working with the cards. And how does that work? So first session is definitely just unpacking your life
1: spread and your year spread. And then after that, like I said, every 52 days you move into a new energy. So that's kind of when it becomes more of like an intuitive guidance, spiritual counseling session. The first session for sure. Like if you're like, Oh, I have this thing that's coming up. It's like, well, what kind of tools can we use? What mantras can we give you? What can you take home with you today so that you feel empowered to go out to the world? And then in terms of packages and coming back every 52 days, it's like, okay, I'm in a certain position in my chart and each position means something different. There's like the gross position and the fourth position, which is the foundation position. It's a really sweet, yummy place to be. And then there's the fifth position, which is a shift. So as you move through these energetic cycles throughout your a year you can come back and do a check-in once every 52 days just to kind of pull cards ask the cards, ask our guides see you know what's going on what to focus on, what maybe you have to work through and then giving tools to work through them. And that could be in real time, like doing things like tapping. It could be guided meditations. It kind of just depends on the person really, like what they need in that moment. But in essence, the first time we're going to really unpack your code and blueprint. And then beyond that, once we've built and established that foundation, we can kind of do almost anything. And for some people, it does look like they just want to pull cards and get guidance. And for other people, they're like, fuck, I really am like having." Having a hard time working through this thing. I need tools. And so that's where the, the spiritual counseling and intuitive guidance kind of pairs in with the cycles of the cards. And we can use that as like an anchor point to God. understand what are you working through energetically right now in your mathematical system? And how can we then give you tools for empowerment so that you can work through and navigate the shit that comes up in life right. in a way that is beneficial to you
0: and relates directly to your original spread? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Do you know, where does this come from? Do we even know? Or has it been hidden for so long that it's really hard to say? We
1: don't really know. I mean, I think ancient Egypt is something that is kind of thrown around gypsies. It's talked about as well, but the truth is like, it was just so hidden for so long. I mean, I'm sure people listening now are probably like, I've never heard of this. Um, And so it just, we don't know. And it was gone for a long, long time. I mean, there are probably old photographs and pieces of art and that kind of thing where people are playing cards and you're like, oh, are they playing cards? Are they doing divination? I don't know. Now I want to know. (laughs) I know it's really interesting. And you know, okay. So something else that's interesting is cycles of the cards is different than other cardomancy and cardology lineages. So this relates directly to nature. So for example, I said your four-parts birth card, here's what it means, unconditional love, you know, giving and receiving these sorts of things. Like if you go and Google that, you might find something completely different. It's really almost a subjective experience in the moment. I mean, they have meanings that of course I learned that were channeled through the person that I mentored under that week with other people who teach the cards. But what's interesting about that is that the other two kind of heavy hitters in the card world are white men. And so there's a lot of that in it. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah. so-
1: My mentor, Rhiannon Morsch, who has her school sort of was like, I am taking this and getting this guidance to do it this other way that's more in alignment with obviously like the cycles of nature, but the sacred feminine and kind of this more holistic approach.
0: Yeah. And I think that it's common for systems like this divination systems and esoteric systems of learning whatever to be sort of rolled into some kind of white man thing mm-hmm. and it's like if you go back 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 enough it never is you know it, well i'm sure it's it is for some of them that are newer obviously but the ancient ones i think it is divine feminine For a reason, not to diminish masculinity, but we've learned that masculinity on its own is a terror. It doesn't do well without femininity, you know, whereas femininity is fine on its own. I mean, this is like opening a whole can of worms, but but we're just fine. Right. Not that we're perfect in every way, but that there is like a a balance that's natural to like the receptivity of what is feminine. You know, even when you're learning meditation or even Lao Tzu, he would say like, enter into masculinity, but always go back to femininity. That's the OG like receptive space that you want to be in. So it's nice to hear that somebody's trying to sort of take back that kind of energy and, and work with it. Because I think that's, the real power. Masculinity is a force. It's not necessarily like that deeper level of power. So, Absolutely. and if people listening are like, oh, but does that even fucking mean anything? Because you were saying if you Google it, it would be something else, but all divination is an, a subjective experience with you mm-hmm. and whoever's reading for you, whether it's you or someone else, how would you explain it? Like, how would you explain what happens when you do a divination reading? Like what terminology would you use?
1: Yeah. Well, the way I do it is I work with a guidance system. I have guides and I'm super visual. So I don't like see them sitting next to me, but I see them in my mind's eye. And so I work with guides, but then I also, the cards themselves are their own energetic beings, basically. And so it's kind of like this channeled experience, or like, I'm a conduit to be like, here's what our guides because I at the beginning of a session, if people work with guides, and they're familiar with what they are, or they have ancestors or angels, I invite them into the container, because then they're gonna, you know, we're all going to talk together. And so for me, it's about working with those energies and those guides and angels and ancestors, and then also the cards as their own being and the two of them together send little messages or say things like if you were to ask me a question and I'm like, okay, and I pull cards and I'm like, hmm, and then I sit and listen, and then whatever the download is that's coming through me comes out to you, and that's subjective. And it's also this is where it gets complicated because it's also whoever's doing this work for you and acting as a channel or an intuitive or a psychic, right? Like they're only going to be as available to give you the guidance that you need as they've worked on themselves. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. So it's like, you really want to make sure that you're working and you never know. And that's why, like, if for people have, I'm sure people listening have probably had a session of something where they were like, yeah, that was fine. And other ones where they're like, holy shit, that changed my life. Right. And it's because that person that you're working with has spent time fine tuning what it is that their gifts are. hmm And also working through their own stuff to be a clear channel, to really bring some powerful stuff through and being well-spoken is a really big part of that too. And having like, you know, a wide vocabulary and just understanding for me, sometimes it's muffled, like what they're saying. I'm like, God, it's like so unclear. And then I just sit into the energetic or like somatic experience of it. And I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Or we'll kind of move on a little bit and then I'll pull another card and it'll keep coming up. And I'm like, man, this card keeps coming up. Like, what is that? And then eventually it's like, they're telling me like, no, you know, I did a reading the other day and and I pulled the ace of spades and that's like the symbol for esoteric knowledge, but it can also represent things that are hidden or that we don't know yet. Mm -hmm. And I kept pulling this card for this person. And I was like, I just don't get it. And my guides were like, yeah, you're not supposed to. And I'm like, but tell me why. And I kept pulling cards and they were like, you're not supposed to get it. This person isn't supposed to receive that download yet. And so that's just how I work. I don't know what it looks like for other people or what their process is, but I have a guidance system that I work with who tells me the person I'm working with also has a guidance system that is there. And then the cards themselves are their own guidance with their own energies that they bring into play. So it's really fascinating.
0: Yeah. I was curious too, like how you describe your guides. Like, are they ghosts? Are they spirits? Are they interdimensional beings? Are they fairies? Like, does it matter? Are they a lot of different things? Like sometimes I feel like when I'm talking to my guides, I'm like, oh, that's my ancestor. And then sometimes I'm like, oh no, I don't know what that is, but cool. Welcome. (laughs) Do you have that, or how do you define them? Well, it's kind of everything you just said because I think it's varied
1: too. Like, you could have, you could walk outside and have a conversation with a tree, and that would be a guide, right? Yeah. So there's that. But then there's also like, or people look to, uh, you know, they'll see a deer and be like, Googling, why did the deer cross my path? That could be a guide. Mm -hmm. For me, I have like a set little crew of guides and ancestors. And I've just recently kind of started working with angels, which isn't I always felt like weirded out by that. I don't know why I was like, oh, angels, like this feels
0: weird, but (laughs) I get it. I get it.
1: (laughs) So I recently started calling that energy. in. so to give you an example, I have one guy that I work with often, and she's like, my grandmother's mother was from Lithuania. And so this guy that I work with is an ancient, ancient ancestor that I have who lives in this little cottage in Lithuania. And I go there and like, she gives me downloads and tells me stuff, but mostly it's just for inner child healing and like self-care where I'll go and like sleep on her big comfy couch or she'll make me a cake or she'll make me soup or she's kind of like the matriarch of my guidance system, where she'll introduce me to new guides that I have. So, for example, when I started reading the card, she was like, Oh, your next guide is ready to come in. And it's, it's a masculine energy and kind of like a jester in a way. And he has all these cards all the time and is like constantly like showing me stuff with the cards or giving me downloads. And so it's all in my mind's eye. So, if you were to sit down and like get still and meditate, right, and you have visions that come through, because that's how I work, I'm super visual. But I think. It could be anything for anyone, whatever rings true or feels true for you is the right way. The truth is there is no wrong way to do this and whatever feels good or feels, you know, like the right thing is the right thing for you. And that brings me back to this, what my teacher said about it's anything you want it to be right. So I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do it. I think it's just about connecting over and over again and going back into those spaces The first guide I ever met was on a a guided journey with a friend of mine who was practicing depth hypnosis. And she was like, let's meet your guides. And I'm like, okay. And I went and she like, you know, does the whole thing where you get into a safe space and then you walk down the stairs and then you're in nature and then you look and there's like something going on and then your guide comes or whatever. And so that was a really cool experience to have. But I think it really could be anything, whatever makes someone feel safe. And if it doesn't make you feel safe, it's not your guide. Yeah. Because I find that too with people where they're like, oh, this is scary. Like this feels scary. And I was like, that's okay. It's just like, it's an energy that we need to work through, but that's not your guide. Mm -hmm. Your guides are going to feel like home to you and very supportive and feed you soup and make you cakes and make you
0: feel really awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I do want to ask about the guides. How would you tell somebody to develop that relationship? So you said like, Okay, it could be anything. Like maybe you do it during meditation or you spend time in nature or where, wherever and you know you just kind of repeat it, but how do you know when to trust it and how do you know how to develop it? Like for you, how did you get to that point as a skeptic?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I'm actually just about to release a guided meditation on meeting your spirit guides and that'll be up on mm-hmm. my link tree. So there's that and that's just one aspect of going in and connecting with them. I think a big thing is figuring out what works for you in terms of getting still. And so for someone if that's time in nature with their eyes open or if it's seated or if it's swimming like whatever that might be. Really I do think that the best way to kind of get an intro and the way that I was introduced to guides is doing a guided meditation or a guided journey where you go in and the intention is to meet a guide. Mm-hmm. And The person holding space for you really should be kind of affirming and holding the energetic container for you so that nothing's going to come in that's like not supposed to be there or that isn't there for your greatest good. And so that's really important, but also you reaffirming to yourself as you go through that process of like, I'm safe and this is something that I want. I'm here to connect with my guides and like I said, for me, it's just so visual. Like I can be like, let's talk about another dimension or let's talk about, you know, aliens or fair realm or whatever. And I'm like, cool. I'm there. Let's like dive in and look at all of it. And I know it doesn't work that way for everyone. And so to really tune into, are you visual or are you feeling something in your body? And what are your body signals telling you? So if you go into that space and you're like, oh, this doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel right for me. Then maybe it's not the right time for you to connect with your guides, or if you're having like weird stuff come up, you know, just pause. But often I've found that people are able to just tap right in. They feel really safe. They feel really held. And then you get to this space where if you're visual, you can see them and invite them in and be like, I'm here to connect with you. And then they'll come in in whatever form that looks like, or... It'll come in as a somatic experience and you'll feel them around you. Now, in terms of, I think you had asked, like, how do you know if it's
0: right or something like that? Right. Like, how do you know it's the right thing? How do you know you can trust it? How do you, you know how- and, and develop that that relationship, you know, to the point where you're like, oh, I trust that this being that I can't really explain is actually helping me.
1: Right. Well, for me, it comes back to anything I can imagine is real. So that's the starter. Like, okay, this is actually happening. I'm giving myself permission to have this experience. And then the second part is just like you would develop any other relationship with a pet or a person coming back and nourishing and having this kind of exchange with them over and over again, where you're connecting with them every day. And then you build trust just like you would with, you know, your wife or with, my boyfriend or, you know, whatever it is like coming back over and over and over again. And it's not like, okay, I'm going to get my guide and then I'm an intuitive and like use my guidance system for other people. It could work like that, I guess, but it's like, no, I'm going to develop this relationship with someone. And then we're going to see where it goes. Mm -hmm. Because for me, it wasn't like I met my guide and then all of a sudden I'm doing cycles of the cards and intuitive guidance. It was like, I don't know, I'm just here and you're helping me work through my stuff. And so the trust comes, I think, from just allowing yourself space to do that in the first place and know that it's real and that it's nourishing you. And then also treating it just like you would any other relationship that you want to have in your life and nurture and nourish to come back over and over again and just have conversations or I always come back to my guide who cooks for me because it makes me feel so good and safe. So like Mm -hmm. if you could find a guide that makes you feel really safe, which sometimes it can take needing more than one to get to that place, but it generally is all safe. It's complicated because it's subjective. And because I think when people navigate into the territory of darker things or like heavier energies, then there's kind of an openness or receptivity there to tap into that first. And so Mm -hmm. it's an energetic thing. Like, what does that feel like? Does this feel like a supportive energy to me? Does this feel good? Does this feel like a mom or a dad that's filling me up and making me feel really good? Or does this feel like kind of weird? If it feels weird, probably not your guide. Probably not something that you're going to want to like spend too much time on unless that's your vibe. And that's totally fine too. But it's just like building a relationship with someone you love and then coming back to it over and over and over again until you get to a place where you can receive the messages in a really clear way. It takes practice.
0: You mentioned angels. So tell me about that. I know you have your, your very old ancestor who makes you feel safe and warm and feed you soup, but then you also have these angels that you were kind of feeling hinky about. And then now you've developed a relationship with them. What does that look like or feel like? This is actually very fresh and
1: new to me. So that's an interesting question because I was listening to a man named Michael Beckwith. Have you ever heard of him?
0: Oh, yeah. Is he does he have dreads? And he,
1: he did. Yeah, he shaved okay. his head. He has agape, which is essentially it's a church based out of LA, but it's so good. I love him. Anyway, he was talking about how he was swimming out in the ocean one day. He prayed to the archangel Michael, I think, or something. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And so I see my angels as like my heavy hitters. I'm not really using or calling on them unless I'm like, I feel so fucked. I feel so stuck. Like, what the fuck? I need some serious help. I feel like they're kind of like really holding my container, my energetic container. Versus my other guides might kind of just be like floating around in it. And then there I am kind of anchored in the middle. I feel like they're just like this super light energy that comes in and kind of is like the invisible hand. that's like, okay, I see that you're really having a hard time and you need some guidance where you need to connect to something. Like I'm going to come and give you that experience, but it's not visual. Like it is with my guides. It's not as personal. Mm.
0: Yeah, I feel like they're busy. How many people are praying to Archangel Michael? And at this very moment, you know, that's kind of mind blowing. And I know in paranormal investigations, when things get kind of sideways, like demonic, it, I struggle with that word. But, you know, if the word demon comes up or you're feeling a very, very negative, quote unquote, dark energy, a lot of times, that's who you call upon is these angel guides and that tracks that they're like there for the heavy hitting stuff. They're not really there for like, I had a bad day. You know, I have diarrhea. They don't have time.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. That would be like the, I'm really fucked up. Like I'm having a major life crisis and I need some assistance here. And I mean, thankfully I haven't had to do that too many times, which is probably why I'm still learning about it. And I hope to not really have to use that too much in life but of course we you know, life happens but no I find generally I have like four or five guides that come around that I work with and so and some of them are nature guides too right I talked about talking to trees or I have this uh, red-tailed hawk that always comes and sits on my head which just so, so cute there's so much going on <laughs> yeah it is cute that was actually the first guide that I I met but I didn't realize what it was it was like during a plant meditation and I don't know what plant it was, but this guy for this red tailed hawk just came and sat on my head through this entire meditation. And I'm just like, all right, dude, like, what are we doing? That is rare. It wasn't in like 3D, like a, it wasn't sitting on my head in real life. Mm. Right? It was just like in my, in your, in your ethereal realm, like my yeah. other space. Cause I kind of feel like that. I don't know if you feel that, but like, I feel like I'm here embodied in the third dimension but then I also am like sitting at the same time in all these other
0: places. I do feel that yeah and I feel like sometimes I get a bit confused I don't know if you ever feel this but sometimes I'm like oh shit no you're supposed to be like operating in this realm but I'm like still over there a little bit do you ever feel that like you're kind of one foot in one a little bit too much and so you get out of rhythm does that make sense
1: I, know. I feel like i started to live my life just kind of all over the place so it's actually really nice to talk to someone else who can relate to that because often you talk to people and they're like i don't know what the fuck you're talking about but i'm like you're I'm crazy. Like, no i'm like in a spaceship like cruising around and i can be also here having a conversation with you and they're just like
0: what <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's a tough one. And I actually had a really cool guest who talked about while she slept, she was actually on a spaceship learning from some being teaching her how to like fly these spaceships. And it sounds so silly. Like I even laughed when I said it, but who am I to fucking say like back to your teacher? If you can think of it, it's real. So who am I to say that that's not a reality for her? And of course, I wouldn't be the one to say that. I'd be like, fuck, yeah. What are you learning? You know, I want to know more. But some people are just like full stop at that point. They're like, absolutely not. I can't. And everything has to be like, I have to see it to believe it. right? Right. I think sometimes my guides get annoyed with me and they're just like, remember that you have to believe it to see it. It's the opposite. And so every once in a while, they'll like give me the same tarot card over and over again. And it's their way of being like, yeah, here, I'm showing you, but like, I'm also not going to give you anything because you're kind of annoying me, <laughs> but in a, in a sweet way, they're not being assholes. They're just kind of like, move on. Like you can trust this. Absolutely. Well, and
1: that's what they're there to do. Right. Be like, okay, like you already know how to do this. I did a reading for somebody the other day and they kept being like, she already knows. You know, people who are just like, they do so much. Like they're constantly having to like have someone outside of them reaffirm. Yeah. And yeah. and the message was like, you already know. <laughs> like stop asking, <laughs> just chill and embody it. Like, you know what to do, but you're so focused on this like external thing. Yeah. And so, but that's what our guides are there. And it's fun. Once you have that relationship established they can be a little more like no fan like you already know what the fuck is going on just like back off dude and like Mm -hmm. chill for five minutes we don't need to keep giving you the same answer over and over and over again
0: yeah. yeah. I get, I work with some grandmother energy and I call them the golden girls. And I think I respond to humor and I don't mind being made fun of. It's actually like a really great way. I think to become aware of something that you are not aware of. So maybe someone else would be like, Oh, that's offensive. And that wouldn't make me feel safe, but it actually makes me feel safer that there are all these old ladies who are like, <laughs> you dumbass," you know, and not really dumbass, but they're just kind of like, come on, you know? In this very, let me cook you something afterward kind of vibe.
1: I love it. I think whatever works for you, you know. I think for me, I would be like, oh my god, why are you being so mean? And like, <laughs> me. like, just make me cake and tell me I'm pretty. Perfect. Yeah, you know? yeah, tell me I'm. <laughs> tell me but I'm don't so be cute. mean. Don't laugh at me. But that, com- you know, that's like just my own childhood wounding and
0: stuff. Yeah, of course. And they're not to be clear, and because they're here, they're never mean they're just kind of joking around. But I think it's a way to get me to listen to them in a way that I don't always do. Absolutely. Yeah. yep. So we talked about some really weird woo experiences that you've had, starting with the psychedelics when you were what, like 16, which that really opened the door for all this other stuff to come in. It sounds like I like to ask this question, which is, What's the weirdest, supernatural, paranormal, woo thing you've ever experienced? This isn't is the th-
1: hardest question ever. I literally have been racking my brain for like,
0: hmm, what do I share? Because there's so much weird shit. Yeah. And you've already shared a lot of weird stuff.
1: Well, okay. I just wanted to say something real quickly about darker energies because I did have this experience once. And this isn't the weirdest experience I've had, but it just made me think of it. And I was talking about it with a friend the other day where this really dark energy had come into my space. And I do this thing where I have very clear boundaries. And I'm like, nope, I'm not available for this. Like we're not doing this. And often we'll like whittle it down to like, I don't know what your belief is around this, but I find that sometimes it can be someone who's come through a portal and it's like there to fuck shit up. And other times it's like souls who just kind of got lost in that mm-hmm. in-between space and like forgot how to get home. And so this huge like horned beast, like this crazy, gnarly, scary thing Came in and I just was like, I'm not available for this. Like, what are you doing here? Like, you know, you're not welcome. Are you okay? And I felt this deep sadness, really just like heavy. I'm very like you, I'm super curious, right? So instead of being like, get out, you're not welcome. I'm like, why are you so sad? What's going on? (laughs) What are you upset about? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, take a seat. Problem, (laughs) please. But like we whittled it down to really what had happened was it was this little girl that had died and got lost and wasn't able to like, I don't know what the term is, go to the light or whatever. That sounds so cliche and silly, but her energetic being soul was still there. And she got lost in this astral realm, I guess you could call it, or one of these like kind of in between places where a lot of the entities operating in there were really dark. And so to survive in that space over time, she had to build herself up to this crazy horned, like gnarly beast. And it was a really cool experience to have because I wonder, first of all, how often is that happening? Where these mm-hmm. ener- energies or beings really just have this core wounding similar to humans And they have to build themselves up in these other spaces to be able to survive. How cool to not be afraid of this fucking gnarly thing that came in where I'm like, you seem sad. Like, let's work through this. And then have this huge portal opened up and this whole entire bloodline waiting for her being like, oh my God, we've been waiting for you. Welcome back. You know, now you get to go back into the one or into source energy or whatever you want to call it, where there's all these kind of beings there ready to receive you. That was like a little, I guess, sidebar in terms of dark energies is I think it's often not always as dark as we think, maybe, but like these lost souls who have to put on a game face to survive in these scary places.
0: That's Um, a great point. Yeah. I mean, every villain quote unquote, has an origin story. And there's usually trauma there, right? Like it's usually, so that's a cool way to look at it. And that's empowering to the listeners as well. Like if you are dealing with something that you feel is dark or you're afraid of something paranormal, or you read something that freaked you out, remember that you have power as well. That's Uh, not my
1: craziest story that just came up because you talked about things. Oh, good. Give me another one. This one, I've been debating on whether or not to say something because it's just like kind of, in, it actually like was this experience I had that same friend I was studying depth hypnosis with. And this was pre-Stranger Things. I just need to like <laughs> okay. point that out. Because Notice part of me thinks that maybe there was something going on in the collective consciousness at that time where whoever wrote Stranger Things maybe like picked up on something. Mm-hmm. And it'd be interesting actually to talk to the writer because- the similarities that I saw between my experience and something that happened in the show was just really interesting. So I was doing this journey work like once a week with a friend and we were going to all these different places, dream time, and just like all over the fucking place. And we came to this place where she was holding the container and I was traveling. And all of a sudden I'm like, in this facility, it felt like a hospital. Okay. And I'm like looking around and there were all these rooms with no windows, just doors. And I was like, okay. And I walked through a door and there was this kid sitting in there and they sort of float around. They're human, but they like don't walk on their feet, which is really interesting. And I was like, where am I? You know? And we started to have this conversation with this kid. And essentially what happened is we went into like the future. And so, like 2032, 2042, somewhere in there. And essentially, the experience was they're taking children who have special gifts away from their families and locking them up in these facilities. And that's where we went. And this child predicted all this stuff that was going to happen for this friend that was holding space for me, saying she was going to have a, another baby. It was going to be a girl. Here's when she's going to come, like all of these things, which now that child exists and is alive and is a, a baby. And then all these alarms started to go off in the facility. And he was like, they know you're here. You need to leave and you need to close this container. And I was like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Like, what the fuck? It was actually really intense. I came out of it and I was like, I don't know what that was. It was the first time I had ever, because she wasn't in the space with me. I was kind of channeling and telling her what was going on. And so I had never had an experience like that. And it was so far out that I stopped everything. I stopped all of my practices for like six months. I was kind of fucked up mentally because it was such a strong experience. And I was like, that is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. And it scared me too, because I'm thinking these poor kids who come through and they have these special gifts. Honestly, I don't even know if they're human or what the fuck is going on, but there's some kind of people like a... a system of people who are taking these kids and studying them to try and understand why they're so exceptional and what to do with them and also like taking their energy. And so it was just like a really odd experience. I've gone back to talk to them a couple times under like really strict conditions, because after that happened, they were put under really strict conditions. And something that I asked was like, how can I protect myself and my family from these energies? And they said pine. A pine tree is very protective and to wear it as a pendant because something about a pine tree, kind of similar to the radiation blockers that we put on our phones and in our houses and that kind of stuff, it like transmits the energy so they can't find you. Because essentially what I understood was like I wasn't supposed to be there. They were gonna come and find me and I needed to figure out how to protect myself. So This is about as far out as I take people in terms of worship, because it's pretty heavy, actually, also. And I've been asking my guides, is this something I should share? And I do think that there's something going on because of Stranger Things, right? And 11 in the collective consciousness where there's people who are coming to earth with these really exceptional gifts and like I honestly don't think they're human or like coming and trying to figure out why they're so exceptional. And Mm -hmm. so to use pine as a pendant or to have a lot of pine trees on the property, like fucks up the signal so that they can't find you essentially.
0: So that the negative energies that are trying to like study the kids can't find you Are that they're not human. I don't think they are. I think they might be like a hybrid because it was a
1: very real place. And it's like inside of like, uh, you know, underground, whatever, like it's, it's high up. I don't know if it's in a mountain or what, but it's like high up in the sky somewhere, but underground, if that makes any sense, which it totally doesn't. But yeah, they're studying these kids and basically like, this is just starting to happen right now too. Because remember back then I was like 15 years into the future mm-hmm. and it just blew my, it blew my mind to the point where I was like, that scared the fuck out of me. Like, I don't know what to do with this information. I've been sitting with it a lot. That same friend I've come back to, and we've had conversations about it. And I think it was just like, hey, I brought you here so that you could let people know that this is happening. I have no idea why.
0: When you first watched Stranger Things, how did you feel? Weird, super weird. I'm like, that's fucked up.
1: And then, I mean, there's so much else going on in stranger things. I feel like that kind of, just is like, whatever, but yeah, it was, it was weird because it, to me, that's something that feels real. And so it scared me a little bit too, for like future generations, because I think as humans, as we evolve and start to wake up, if you want to call it that and like hone in on our gifts, we're going to start having more children who are way more tapped in to all of that. Mm -hmm. And to think that there's something that wants to come and study them and like, pull them away from you. Basically. It made me question, you know, and this is like, we're talking about some heavier shit now, like some real, real life things, but it made me question things like child trafficking and human trafficking and sex trafficking. I don't know. I don't know where these people are actually going or what's happening and people go missing all the time. Are they going to these facilities because someone found out that they're gifted? It's just, it's really fascinating and it kind of freaks me out to talk about it, but it is my weirdest, like most far out woo thing that's ever happened. And my guys were like, you can say it if you want to do whatever you need to do. Part of it is I don't want to attract attention to myself to these guys, right? There are mm-hmm. or these things that are doing this, but I also feel like stranger things came out. People are already thinking about that. And I also believe that media warms us up to mm-hmm. things that like they're priming us in a way. Mm-hmm. So that it wouldn't be that outrageous if in 25 or 30 or 40 years, someone was like, oh, yeah, these facilities actually exist. And we've been studying people and, you know, like UFOs and blah, blah, whatever. So it's just an interesting experience that I had that I've sat with for a very long time now trying to figure out what the point of it was.
0: And perhaps it was to share it here to really just like weird everybody out. I don't know. Oh, honey, don't you worry. You're not going to weird anybody out here. (laughs) This is where the weirdos come. We could probably have a whole nother episode just dissecting this experience. The fact that, like, Stranger Things is the number one show in the world, or it was. And, you know, every time it comes back, it's always super high. But when it first came out, it was like Netflix did everything to just make the show keep going and going and going. So that's curious. Also, I don't think it's far-fetched. And I, the fact that you wanted to like not do any of your spiritual practices after you experience this makes me believe you even more because I know what that feels like. I know when you go deep into something and you're like, fuck, I'm not going to do anything. Like I'm so like that, like, I don't even know, I'll, you know, you, you, you just put your hands up and you're like, get me out of this. I don't want to meditate. I don't want to do yoga. I don't want to do anything. And I've been in that position before and it, it sucks it, because you really feel, it's almost like an existential crisis. they are like, what is this? Why did I learn it? Is it real? And if it is real, what does that mean? Do I need to continue this conversation? And it makes you question everything you thought you knew prior to the said experience. Absolutely. And it's just
1: that in particular of all the things I've experienced, of which there are many, right? And I'm sure for you too. Like you said, I'm like, why? Why do I need to know about this? I don't have kids. I don't care about this stuff. Why are you telling me or why did I end up here? Mm -hmm. But I do think it was connected to the person holding space for me also. I think the experience was for both of us. But because I was actually experiencing it, it was like... Even just thinking about it makes me feel unsettled, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, And just to know, like, we can travel in the future and we can travel into the past and time is not linear and it's a sphere and, you know, all that stuff. But Mm -hmm. time uh, is a real doozy. Certainly is. And that was the other part, too, is I'm like, what year is it? Like, how the fuck did I get here? And again, back to tying in, like you said, Stranger Things is number one. Like, I think we're being primed. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole other what are we being primed for? Or you could say that about, you know, UFOs and aliens.
0: And mm-hmm.
1: I mean, just anything like what the fuck is going on here? Basically. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And then it begs the question, like who's doing the priming and like, is it our collective consciousness seeping into the writer's brains or is it like actually something more nefarious, which I try not to go down that path too far. Cause it gets a little crazy mostly because I don't want to live in a state of fear, Yeah. But it is possible. Like, I'm not going to say that it's not possible that some species is harvesting our energy. You know, it's definitely possible. I hope not. But yeah, there's a possibility that there's multiple nefarious beings that are interested in us for all kinds of reasons that we have no idea how to unpack.
1: Absolutely. And I don't think we're supposed to, our human brain isn't capable necessarily of like comprehending everything. Right. Similar to like having psychedelic experiences and not being able to write down what it meant. Yeah. Like, which really at the end of the day, like I just had this download recently to speak to psychedelic experiences. Like The meaning of life is a feeling. It's not something that we can intellectualize. It's a somatic experience, you know? And that is what I realized in psychedelic experiences. Like when you do that thing where you're like, aha, I figured it out. I know the secrets to the universe. It's like, yeah, to feel good Mm -hmm. and be happy. And then that, you know, that creates our thoughts. And then we go out into the world, blah, blah, blah. Also like the multiverse, it could be all of that. We could be being harvested for whatever and, you know, something over here. Like, I think it's all of it. And it comes back down to this like foundational belief for me where anything is real. So I feel like we have access to so much all the time and it's all over the place and it's really complex and can get really sophisticated and not. And just to like roll with whatever feels good for us, but it's weird as fuck. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it does. It gets really bizarre the further down those rabbit holes you go.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Super
0: weird. And super important for people like us and a lot of my listeners to like remember to be grounded as much as possible. Because the more you do this work, the weirder it'll get. And if you're inviting in magic, whether that's the term you use or not, it's gonna, you're going to get a lot of synchronicities and a lot of weird shit. And it can make you feel unbalanced really fast. So Uh definitely like cultivating that root chakra connection is really, really important. Absolutely. 100%. Well, shit. We talked about a lot of stuff. I feel like we're probably going to talk again. I don't know what about, but I just have this feeling that we will. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that story because I know that it's hard sometimes to say something that seems so far-fetched, you know, in our everyday quote unquote reality. So I really appreciate that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Thank you so much for having me. And I would love to come back and talk about all the weird shit. Awesome. Um, Thanks for your time, this was so fun.
0: What do you think about the possibility that there is a facility or facilities like the ones in the show Stranger Things. I mean, it is a really weird idea, but it's not that weird, right? I mean, humans have already done very sinister things along similar lines in the past and possibly currently. So I guess it's not that unusual. Also, the idea that time is in a sphere always makes me scratch my head. Like I can say it intellectually, I know that time is not linear, but I'm still so identified with my mind because I'm not meditating for 10 hours or 20 hours of every day that I can't even fathom that idea. Because to be identified with this mind and be identified with this body means that I can only operate within a linear construct. I know that it's a sphere. I I know it is. But to me, there will still be this present moment, and then the future, and then the past. Now, I obviously know that there's only the present moment, the present moment, and the present moment, and the present moment, and the present moment, you know? And then we, again, identified with our minds, are like, oh yeah, that present moment back there, that was the past. And that present moment that I'm dreaming up right now, that's the future. But really the only reason that we have to have this linear construct in place is so that like Einstein said, everything doesn't happen at once. That's the whole point of it. And that really makes you think who or what decided that this earth, that this solar system, maybe we're not sure needs to operate within this linear time structure. I don't know. I just don't feel like all other planets operate in the same time structure. But that's just the theory, obviously. Again, I am so dense in my thinking because I'm here on this complicated planet. I can't really fucking say. But when I was re-editing this episode, I was like, dang, it's really conversations like this that remind me why I'm doing this. Beyond, and I say this all the time, beyond capitalism, beyond your nine to five, beyond your fucking, I don't know, like McDonald's that you're eating for lunch or whatever, there is this ridiculously magical, untapped world that is just right there. Right there beyond like a pretty thin veil. I think it's getting thinner and thinner. And it feels like it's begging us to investigate it. While there seems to be some other people or entities, not sure, that are like, nah, don't pay attention to that. Just buy stuff. I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot to be uncovered. You know, when you get excited about something, do you ever get like that? Where you're like, ah, oh my God, I have to research everything. That's how I felt after this. And oh, oh my gosh, I'm interrupting myself. <laughs> The idea that ideas get stuck in our minds, in our collective consciousness, whether they're put there by something, someone, someone, some things, or it's just part of our evolutionary process. The fact that those ideas, like Stranger Things being the Duffer Brothers idea, that they would be priming us for what's to come. I mean, you could really, really go down the rabbit hole with this one. Anyway, if you want to work with Taylor and get a Cycles of the Cards reading or spiritual counseling with her, which I highly recommend, she's delightful, you can check her out at linktree/slash maker and mystic per usual, that will be in the show notes for this episode. And like I mentioned in the intro, a connecting with your spirit guide meditation will be available at that same Linktree link next week. So keep checking back, You know, bookmark that, follow her on Instagram so that you can get that amazing meditation. I'll also post it on my Instagram so you can find it there as well. I'm done talking now. I did all the talking of all the things and all the land. Hope you have a great rest of your week. Remember to do some fucking cool shit that you actually care about. Take that Capricorn energy and ride with it. All right? Bye. Thank you for following the woo with me today. If you love what you heard, please make sure to subscribe to follow the woo wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're feeling particularly stoked about this show, please leave a review and or rating. You can also support this podcast by becoming a member of The Order of Woo, where you'll get community access and loads of extra goodies exclusively on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash follow the woo. The Order of Woo patrons bolster this podcast and community and allow for the creation of more content, products, services, and events over time. Every little bit helps, and I'm so grateful for the patrons who have joined the order already. If you've experienced something magical, mystical, or just downright weird and want to discuss it, or if you're interested in sharing your expertise, or if you want me to research a Woo topic with you or for you, please email me at followthewoo at gmail.com. Join me next week for another woo topic. And remember tell the truth, be nice to each other, and if it feels right, follow the